the tape is rolling. Okay, so good morning, Christopher Ryan. Good morning, Alex Simmons, and welcome to Tell the Damn Story, all of you out there. That's right, unplugged. We're still unplugged. I know, Chris, you said take the unplug out of the title because we may never plug in again, but I kind of like the unplug. It makes it makes Raw sound, you know, more sophisticated. Um, but I want to tell you that it's funny, um, a number of people, because, you know, Chris and I, folks, we do separate interviews and we pop them on here and then we do interviews together and we do dialogues together and everything. Uh, several people have gotten in contact with me to say, you know, I, I like the, the separate interviews, but, you know, I haven't heard you guys talking much, you know, and, and I really like when you guys talk. Like, you guys really are fun and everything. I said, okay, that's good. I like that. So it's well, good to be back with you. Today. Yes, it's good <laughs> to be back with you. Here we go. Here we go. So, All right, well, the first bit of news to talk to you is um, to confirm for you, Alex, that um, the two stories that uh, we have written uh, or as our contributions to an anthology called New Pulp United, uh, they were sent out this morning, December 15th. Ah. Uh, we were, well, you'll... you'll We'll get to why December 15th was uh, a perfect day to send it out in a little while. Uh, but um, You're going to give them some backgrounds of what this is all about, right? Yes. Yes, so, good, good man, good man. So here we go. Uh, sometimes opportunities that a writer thinks is dead rise again. <laughs> uh, like zombies. That's what happens here, and that's what this episode will be about. The adventures of, uh, you know, trying to do the right thing. So, uh, a little bit of backstory. Um, last summer, uh, I went to a couple of different pulp cons, and among the people I met and among the information that came my way was that Pro Se Publications were doing a, an anthology, and all the money for the anthology was going to go and help. Um, pulp writers who may not have had uh, medical coverage and that kind of stuff or, or may have had big uh, increasing medical bills. And I thought that was a great uh, charity. And I also thought it was a great way for us to uh, kind of blend in with some of the other pulp writers that are out there. And there's also a good uh, way for us to I, pay... Uh, oh, no, I was just going to say, I think it's also, because Chris and I are like this, it's also a good way for us to say thank you to people who, you know, either influenced us or who are trying, you know, like we are, trying to tell stories and so forth. And, you know, life does what it does. So, you know, Chris and I are always about giving back a bit, too. Yeah. And um, so I pitched to you, hey, let's do this. And you were all all fours, uh, immediately all four, doing the charity end of it. Uh, then we have to f had to figure out how we would do this because uh, the legendary Alex Simmons created character Blackjack <laughs> um, had an opportunity here to meet uh, uh, another pulp character, one from the 30s. Uh, Blackjack is set in the 1930s, so it, it's it was really a great opportunity. So we uh, we researched public domain characters. Uh, and boy, there are a lot of them, aren't there? Yeah. Um, so uh, 
we went back and forth and we uh, I, I there was one group that I really liked one set of characters public domain characters that weren't from the 30s most of the characters we looked at were from the 1930s but there was this one char- group of characters uh, the brothers of the Crimson Cross <laughs> and they they were villains uh, created in the 19 19- 70s. 70s, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So surprisingly, in 1971, yeah, first appearance was in Hell Rider number one, and they were created by people that you know: Gary Friedick, Ross Andrew, Mike Esposito, possibly John Celerado, and Rich Buckler. Um, but somehow they they messed up the copyrights. So you knew these guys, right? Yeah, I knew Rich Buckler, and I knew a couple of the others. I.e., had met them. Uh, during my time of hanging out a lot at, at Marvel Comics, you know, with Don McGregor and Jim Salakrop and, and, of course, Stan Lee. But, yeah, so go ahead. So so the idea that uh, uh, we discussed was um, these would be the villains for the ideas we're going to play around with. But actually, as a nod of respect to these guys and their creation, our brotherhood would be like, like their grandfathers, right? Right, um, right. And, and these guys were a hate group, uh, so our guys would, you know, it would be kind of a good fit to, um, to make them in the 1930s uh, kind of a combination of Ku Klux Klan and, and Nazis and, you know, just have, uh, everything that was being hated back then. You, of course, <laughs> it, the more we... Well, the more we started looking at the 1930s, uh, the more one of the things that is so true about uh, Blackjack is, you know, the themes we write about in Blackjack really reflect current times. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, brother, the Brotherhood became a really useful mirror, you know, for, for modern times as we were writing them. So there were a lot of characters that we looked at. Um, there's uh, Black Bat and Black Hood and Black Star. You, you, you see, you see the theme here. You see the reoccurring theme here. <laughs> yeah. And who else do we like? Um, Deadwood Dick. We liked a lot. I thought that was pretty funny. Doctor Death. Uh, G Eight. And his battle aces. Green Llama. Green Mask. Uh, let's see, who else were we looking at? Obviously, black and uh, green were popular colors in the 30s. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, who else? There's a couple other that stuck out. Operator 5, Phantom Detective, Phantom Shadow. Uh, there's a character named Ripper. That Who the hell is that? Sally the Sleuth. I will talk about her in a minute. Scarlet Ace. Secret Agent X, um, Sexton Blake. Uh, I'm wait. What? I'm sorry. What was that last one? Uh, um, Sexton Blake. Yeah, you got to pronounce uh, yeah, that. You got to articulate that, that, that one. Didn't, that didn't last much of consideration, but <laughs> yeah. then my, uh, the one that we really loved, Six Gun Gorilla. Yeah. <laughs> Which somebody did something the gorilla, with. It was a well-armed gorilla. This guy. Um, and of course there was the spider and all that sort of stuff. So, um, 
we decided that we would write two stories and one was going to be a standalone character. I became, um, well, let's talk about the first, the blackjack story. Uh, we decided that, uh, who do, who were we going to team blackjack up with? Uh, with agent X, secret agent X, secret agent X, Right. you know, nobody's ever really seen his face. And we had, an, uh, we, in discussion, we came up with a really interesting idea to play on, you know, no one's really seen his face. And, and to play with uh, uh, a theme there that I think people will enjoy when they read the story. Yeah, and we're not going to tell you what that is because we want you to read the story. Um, and for my part, um, I wanted to do a... You know, that was going to be like a 6,000-worder. And I wanted to do a really short one because I became... I fell in defensive love <laughs> with Sally the Sleuth. Um, and then, you know, as part of our research, I... I bought collections of hers, like the best of, you know, and I started reading and I'm completely scandalized. I hadn't realized when I saw that she was in spicy mysteries, I didn't realize exactly how spicy they were. Um, she was like a two page, maybe, maybe a two page or a four page comic feature in the spicy mystery magazines. And, um, you know, it, it fit this great pattern where she would meet with the chief who was her boss and find out the case, and then that would be page one, and then page two, she would be following some hood, and by page three, um, or by the, you know, three, three quarters of the way through, she'd be mostly naked and at, at their mercy, and then she would... Uh, a lot of times with the chief self, but sometimes on her own, she would get out of it and get the bad guys. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, there was drawing after drawing of her topless or nude. I'm like, what the hell? It, titillating, I think, is where we were going with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but um, I loved this girl. She had something to her, you know, aside from the nudity, there was a, a great character in there. And then in the, that was in the 30s, but in the 50s, she was revived, kept her clothes on, and she developed a really good right hook, and they gave her um, a lipstick that would uh, be a one-shot pistol. So she had a couple of these little things, and, I, and that's what I pitched. I said, I want to pl uh, play with a story where we get the 1950s version of her in the 1930s she'll do an adventure where she's not naked and at everybody's mercy uh, so yeah we, um, we tackle these we, we tackle these things yeah, uh, yeah it went out in an email on August 30th um, and then <laughs> <nothing>. silence <laughs> fell across <laughs> the land <laughs> right Hey, Chris, did you hear anything back? No, not yet. Yeah, but, you know, just, you know that's, just, that's the way it is sometimes. Yeah, yeah sagebrush rolling across the plains. <laughs> yeah, and we, we got busy with Trial by Fire, Trial by Ice. Yep, got that done. The whole uh, development, writing, and production of that book um, and release of that book and promotion for that book. And getting five and, stars for that book, yeah. Yeah, and then right at the uh, 
right at the end of November, uh, we got a, uh, an email back from uh, uh, the, the one of the big guys. At, uh, one of the publishers, uh, yeah. Tommy Hancock. And he was like, yeah, apparently it kind of slid into the um, spam folder or something. I don't know what happened, but he, he rescued it. And he said, yeah, we really want this. Uh, <laughs> can you have them ready for mid-December? Which was how many weeks? <laughs> Uh, maybe, maybe 15 days, maybe, <laughs> maybe 15, 16 days, but, um, so a little over two weeks, but, uh, you know, lesser men would balk. Smarter men would have balked too. <laughs> Smarter men would have balked. Uh, realistic men would have said, ah, come on. Yeah. <laughs> That's right, back to back. Tommy had no idea, and I never led him to believe that these stories had not been written yet. So, so, so we did. (laughs) And I went off and wrote Sally's. We had, um, and we talked. We talked the ideas through. Stories up. Yeah. You know, and and we wanted to link these stories. With the common bad guy, you know, so that that would be a fun element. And uh, I, I knew my goal for Sally. I wanted to, I want to keep her clothes on, and I wanted to celebrate her beauty, her brains, and her bravery equally. BBB. So this is slam bang, uh, uh, fast paced um, Sally the Sleuth story, uh, where she comes up against the Brothers of the Crimson Cross. Um, and she, she does all that she needs to do in a little over 3,000 words, as promised. <laughs> um, and then, then I, I understood that we would be co-writing the Bl- uh, Black Jack meets uh, Secret Agent X story. We had kind of talked out the, you know, the points, the story point, but then, uh... <laughs> You sent me uh, your draft so far. Your draft so far was ninety-eight point seven percent complete. Draft so far. <laughs> well, it, um, I got I got to quickly say that that two things happened because we had finished Trial by Fire, Trial by Ice. Which, if you guys listen to some of the earlier episodes of Tell the Damn Story, you'll know what what a challenge that was for me in particular. Um, and and so I felt. A, pretty damn good that we, that story, that book had been finished, completed, published, and was out there. And I still had a lot of blackjack energy, you know, flowing. And there were some other things going on, which we'll talk about in another episode. And so what was happening for me was, I, you know, the moment we talked this out, I went, well, I've got this idea. Let, let me at least roughly work it out, you know. And I sort of like sat down to roughly work it out. And I... I plowed through the rough. I mean, it went from beginning to end pretty much in a matter of, of like a day or two. Boom. And it was rough, but believe me. This, this great moment where we had a conversation on the phone and you had like a ton of history and you had this wealth of other places it can go and, and we kind of oh, yeah. streamlined it down and then I didn't hear anything and then all of a sudden the story came. Um... So what what made you dive deep so deep? I mean, the story was really uh, very polished. 
I, the time you, I gotta look at it. You know, I, I, I don't know. Um, no, I do know. The motivation was, I mean, I mean, first off, for those of you who are new to the show, um, I, I'm black, he's white. Uh, yeah, I'm vanilla. I'm chocolate, he's vanilla. Um, a lot of what I do with, with Blackjack, for me, is, is really, you know, sort of bringing forth a lot of things that, that happened in the past. More so, you know, in terms of accomplishments and people trying to, to see things through and, and right wrongs. And, and to try and represent not only, you know, black people, but, but people of color and so forth more uh, genuinely and less stereotypical. And so literally, as I'm doing the research, there's all this stuff that, that came up in 1933, 34, 35 that, you know, I, get, I sort of get jazzed about. I want to, you know, I want to get this out, that out. And here was a chance to, to do a story at the, the nightclub that Blackjack hangs out at, which is Ruby Jean. And show Sheila May to some degree because I don't really get to work with her a lot when he's traveling elsewhere in the world. And it was another thing because uh, prohibition ended in '33. Uh, gangs and uh, you know thugs like that were 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 pretty still pretty active, and they were a little pissed now because their major money maker, uh, prohibition, you know, bootleg gin and stuff, was gone. You know, legit beer and and wine and 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 the hard stuff was back. And the FBI had literally in, in 34 just gotten the rights, or 33, 34, <clears throat> just got the rights to carry guns. And so I knew that at that point we had, we had gangland violence was still pretty tight. We had Dillinger and people rolling across the, the plains. The government, in terms of the FBI, were busy trying to deal with that. We had the rise of Hitler in Nazi Germany. I mean, he became the Fuhrer. He became the, the leader of the German people through a series of manipulations and, and the, um, you know, the people sort of voted for him, but it was like how the vote was set up. It was a little rocky, a little weird. So I knew the United States as a country, as well as Europe, were looking at what Hitler was doing and going, whoa, wait a minute, what's about to go down? So their focus was there and neo-Nazism and so forth was on the rise here. And so to me, it was like with all of that, I had something I wanted to say, and here were some guys I could throw in there, and you know the Crimson, the Brothers, uh, Brotherhood of the Crimson Cross, to to really help pull all this together in a setting where, in effect, they invaded Aaron's, you know, space. They invaded his home. They invaded his 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 world. And uh, nah, I ain't, I ain't I ain't down with that. Was you know sort of his reaction. So I just I just got jazzed and just went right for it, and it just sort of flooded out and. I would say just in terms of writing, the only super challenge that was in there for me, the one thing that I felt a little off balance about was it was really hard to find stories, actual stories about Secret Agent X during the early part of our developing all this. So I didn't really have a full understanding of his tone or his style. You know, how did he really speak? You know, how, how were his stories... Uh, set up what was the mood of his stories i didn't have that for reference and so i felt a little bit eh, you know and again i know we're dealing with fantasy characters but chris and i have said numerous times we really like to know the characters we really want yeah. to try and portray different values I, and energy right yeah i actually went to another uh pro se anthology uh and pulled out a secret agent story 
and sent it to you page by page so we can via text folks i want you to understand how much dedication to research we have and that this man sent me you know he made a point a i found this stuff of page one yeah texted it yeah screenshot of page two texted it yeah um, <laughs> but just so we could get some reference and and uh you know, I, I think he rep, I think he's represented really well. Um, I think the story is a great metaphor for the Amer- awakening of the American spirit in World War Two. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like the, you know, everyone was kind of having it, enjoying their life, and then it increasingly invaded their uh, uh, the peace. You know, I mean, for us it was uh, D Day and all that stuff, but. Um, this was again metaphorically. You can see the connections, you know. Um, well, I know that you know one of the. How do you like combining scenes with uh, uh, a character, Secret Agent X from the '30s, and your own creation, Blackjack? I, I have to say um, that it was it was fun and precarious at the same time, and I'll explain that. You know, um, I had a conversation with somebody the other day about, you know, do you really do you really tackle major supernatural things or alien things in blackjack? And I said, I haven't because, um, you know, I've played with it and people who who've read like Buried Secrets or something like that, they have some idea. But um, I feel like some of what I try to do with blackjack is, again, show um, through, you know, the excitement of the adventure but show what people of color, you know, blacks as well as, um, were actually, you know, about in that era. And I also throw in history from that era. And I feel like the further I take it into absolute fantasy or supernatural, you know, extremism, uh, it dilutes or discredits any of the actual material, the factual material that I actually try and plant into the stories. So I, you know, I made that choice way back in the beginning. So when I start to introduce him to characters that have been established as, you know, high iconic fictional individuals, you know, there's always that little twinge, like, how far do you go? And so with Secret Agent X, it was interesting because, you know, it's, it's like I don't, I don't have Aaron constantly referring to himself as Blackjack, you know, he, you know, and it's, it's so... You know, to, to meet somebody, I mean, in the real world, if you met somebody who, who constantly told you to refer to them as secret agent or as Agent X, you know, that worked in the 30s and 40s, you know. But in, in present day, you'd go, yeah, right, okay. You know, I might call you X, but then again, you know. So for me, I was writing this and I'm thinking, okay, how would Aaron's personality deal with that? How would he introduce it? Would he call this guy that? So there were those thoughts that went through my head. Having him work with an agent who was following these guys or investigating these guys and all this stuff was going on, that wasn't a problem. It was just how how do I take the two worlds it was, and it was merge the them? Secret and X. Uh, those those words seem to have uh, you know you. I noticed in the story that when we're hearing uh, uh, or when we're privy to Aaron Day Blackjack's thoughts, he refers to him as uh, the agent. Yeah. yeah because and that's how he would see it. Well, <clears throat> uh, 
when it was clearly a third person, I occasionally would edit in, you know, Secret Agent X, and you seemed okay with that when when you went over the suggested. Yeah, I uh, I did for two reasons. I did for two reasons. For me, it was. Um, a, we're on a deadline, and and I took longer on my my work than than you did. Um, you well, know, it's also twice as long. Well, there, yeah, there's that too. That's that's true too. But you know, I we were on a deadline, and sometimes you have to make those decisions. You have to decide: a, do I really need to argue about this? Is it really that important? Blah 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 blah. And the other thing is, you know, okay, I might tweak this differently if I had three more days. But we don't, and you know what? There's nothing. There's nothing horrible about this. It's a choice, and I can roll with that. But I think it was you didn't you didn't do anything that made me go, oh God, no. So I was I was okay. I think again, you're right. You picked up on it in Aaron's head, calling this guy Secret Agent X would an ongoing gang war when I was growing up. Okay, you can. Uh, oh yeah, that story. Yes, yes, yes. You know, and it was about uh, black people had moved into the neighborhood and. A couple of people, except especially one person, rallied up uh, my associates um, using that N-word. And uh, it nearly became potentially mass murder, which is a, a novel for another day. Mm. But, um, you know, that, that haunted, uh, that still stays with me. So and and it and well it comes well it should well it should tell me your side yeah well you know if you just be white boy privilege too I don't know look you know I I I'm very careful about branding so white boy privilege I you know no that's not where I see you Um, but here's here's the thing I don't like the word either and I understand that some of my folks feel like, you know, it's like the Lenny Bruce mindset. If you own the word, it loses power. I don't think that word has ever lost power. Uh, and when we say it, it bothers me. And when other people say it, it bothers me. And we've said it a lot. And it doesn't seem to diffuse the intention or the intent when other folks use it. So to me, it's it's an ugly word and always will be. But when I am doing the 1930s material, I know that that word and certain others were constantly used. So what I do to, to put salve on my soul is I never let anybody finish the word. So, so if you'll notice, the character who goes to say it never gets to finish it, especially around Aaron. If he's in a position, unless they got all kinds of guns on him and he can't move, which means I'll come up with some other word, <laughs> you know, but as long as he's in a position to act, no one ever gets to finish that word around him. And that's, that's my half step towards it for acknowledging, you know, because there's, there's a reality here. It was used. It was more commonly used as a derogatory term by others towards us. And subsequently, to tell history or to reflect history at sometimes I have to get close to that ugliness. I've always chosen within Blackjack how far I would go with that. I know in some contemporary pieces that I've done, or if I do a piece that involves the South or the 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 you know the slavery days or 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 any of that true, truly bigoted time, and I'm going for absolute realism, then I would use the word. 
but I would use it in context. And it's like when people say to me, you know, um, how can you write a story about such and such? Oh, okay, here's a perfect one. Um, I did, um, uh, I wrote, uh, uh, Ghost wrote some mysteries, uh, teen mysteries about a girl detective, you know, teen sleuth. And someone asked me, how can you write that? And I said, uh, well, it's true. I've never been a 16-year-old white girl. So I have to do a certain amount of research and to try and make her sound as genuine and handle that character as genuinely as I possibly can. And the same thing with Tarzan. They asked me, how could you write Tarzan? I said, well, not the way Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote him. That's for sure. You know. So we come to these projects with who we are, and we draw lines in the sand about where we will go with things that we feel uncomfortable about. Either we won't cross that line or we determine how we will deal with it. And I, you know, I respect and respected your reaction to it. And again, had we had more time, we might have had this discussion then and then seen which way we go. Because Chris and I, you know, we don't always agree on things and we always talk it out. So to me, I think that at that moment... relationship works. Yeah. Right. So for me at that moment, I saw that. I looked at the timetable. I said, again, is this something that I really need? No, it doesn't. It's not important that that word stay there. And so I went, yeah, I can I can acquiesce to to his his editorial decision on that. And, and again, I think, Chris, and I know you'll you'll um, you'll agree with me on this. Writers often run into those moments with an editor where something that they put in there, the editor's saying is not necessary or doesn't quite work. And you've got to decide, you've got to be able to hear them, you know, and then make some sort of decision professionally based on what they're saying. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, I think it worked just as well the way we ultimately handled it. Um, if if I wasn't involved in the blackjack story at all and um, you had written it, I, I think I would have just, I would have brought it up. I know I would have brought it up. Uh, and it, and that would have been fine. Well, not as vehemently. <laughs> <laughs> Bold face. <laughs> Typing. Italics. I hate this word. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, Chris, how do you really feel about it? I'm, I'm not really clear on this. <laughs> you know? yeah, no, like I said, uh, and I respect that. <laughs> I respect that, and I respect you, so there's, not, there's, no, there's no problem there. And, and again, we talked it out. Uh, you know, we're talking it out now in terms of adding more information to the dialogue, but at that point, I went, okay, you know, he, you know in this case, it's not anything that really has to be there. It's not imperative that that phrase is there. Yeah. And and we're not so, that far uh, apart in terms of our thinking about that word anyway, so, you know, truly. Yeah. So, one of the fun things about these two stories and, you know, both sets of characters facing off against the brothers of the Crimson... Uh, uh, cross. Cross. Yeah. The brothers of the Crimson Cross uh, is that we can ask the question, what happens now? Mm. You know? Um... United is supposed to come out in March, and that would be a great thing if it all did and all that. Um, but we did give them one-time rights. Yep. So we can do what we want with these stories, and the way the way they're built, 
there could you know there could be more stories about this i i see it as a novel of short stories which is uh an idea i first heard from art taylor his award-winning novel is really a series of short stories involving these two characters um but it's this thing could potentially become uh that big of a project um and it could go in a bunch of different ways we you and me could write it all we could get some friends who have dabbled in the pulps to do you know their characters in the same situation and then you know whatever but what's what's your interest level what do you think you want to let it cook for a while or yeah, I'm. I have. I have different feelings, or mixed feelings. Actually, is probably more accurate. I have mixed feelings. I, I'm intrigued by it, and I think um, a one shot of that would be fun. When I say one shot, meaning yeah, if we did uh, as you just called it, an, an, uh, you know, I would think of it as an anthology. But yeah, as a novel of of, of individual short stories, and and it was published either together or if it was so huge, it was in two volumes, I think that would be kind of cool. Um, and it would, it would be its own entity. You know, um, I think that would be fun. Because I think when you start to do crossovers, start to do a lot of crossovers, on, on, a, on a marketing level, you attract readers of the other material to check out your material. So on that level... It's 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 kind of cool and beneficial, but I think you also got to be careful or have to be careful about are you diluting in any way, shape, or form the world and the universe that you've created for your character? You know, it's 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 something to investigate, you know, and to really look at. And I will say, I will say right now, there are at least three, four pieces of art that I have that people have done over the years of blackjack. Standing with uh, the Phantom, uh, Doc Savage, the Shadow, you know, because when you think pulp and and even younger people than myself or you uh, know some of these pulp characters and like these characters, you know, they'll do artwork around because they they to my to my 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 honor or to to my um, my joy, they see Blackjack as a part of that iconic base and I'm I'm very thrilled by that. So I look at those images and I think they're kind of cool and I actually did have in my head years ago a story of where Blackjack would meet the Shadow because the Shadow was for all intents and purposes a human being who could do, you know, certain remarkable things. So ultimately there yeah, there there are things that I could justify and feel I was still being genuine about. And then there are things where I feel like, okay, now I'm just gimmicking. And I always have to sort of question that because, in, in you know, as I said earlier in the episode, what I'm trying to do with Blackjack, what I've always tried to do with him, what you have done with him in certain stories you've done, is to bring a certain amount of, to the action, adventure, and suspense, a certain amount of truth, a certain amount of grounded uh, reality to this extraordinary scenario. And I think the more you go off into that, it would be fun and kind of cool and all that, but I think it also would, at times, dilute what we've established. Yeah. Well, and, and I, I think that we have a very grounded set of villains for this story or potentially a series of stories. Um, 
And I also think that, you know, it would be a different conversation if people came knocking on the door and saying, you know what, I heard that podcast. I'm really interested. You know, if you want to make it happen, I want to, you know, I want to pitch an idea with this character, you know, and then, and then it becomes part business. But the bigger part is keeping the purity of blackjack. Right. And I, I would, what, what everyone just heard on display is the way you and I usually go about this. One of us says, what if, and we play <laughs> and, 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 you know, if there's a out, you know, a business decision like that, we talk about that and, you know, it's really the first step in telling the damn story, you know? That's that's the key in, in, in being creative is embracing the the possibilities. Exactly. Of what if. And, and and I'm really glad we did this these two stories and I can't wait to see you know, see them in the book. That would be a fantastic well, yeah, and again, that's that's March, and there's a lot of things coming in January, in January, February, March of 2019, and we'll be keeping you guys posted on that a lot. I just wanted to add quickly to what Chris was saying. Um, when you collaborate, you know, it's one thing uh, when you're doing all the work solo, but when you collaborate, which means, you know, you have a partner in a prose writing project, or you're working with an illustrator or a writer or a colorist or whatever in, in a comic book or graphic novel project, when you collaborate, you are in the sandbox with other talents, with other people. And the more you play fair and the more you bring, you bring your energy and your enthusiasm, you bring your, your A game to it, the better the property that comes out of it looks. That's, that's just the bottom line of that. When you start going at each other about it and you can't dialogue and you can't talk things through, then you have a whole other problem which normally damages the property. And I just, you know, I just want to say that, you know, Chris and I have, like I said, we've disagreed on some things and we've always found ways to talk it out and then make a decision. And that's, that's a part of being professional as well as respecting the people you work with. Okay. So that's been, that was a damn good story we told. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was, it's good to be back on the mic with you, Captain. Um, yep. And, uh, we, we will, as I said, we will keep everybody posted on some of the things that are going to be happening in the early parts of 2019. I think you're going to like some of it. I think you're going to be sort of titillated and thrilled by some of it. And in March, if all goes well, this particular anthology will come out and we'll certainly let you know about that because then you can see, you can read about That's Sally with her clothes course. on. Yeah, it's for a good cause. Yeah, with, with her clothes on and a great left hook or right hook, I forget which it was. Uh, she's got a, a right hook. She, I tell you what, she She's using all her limbs in this. Okay, so. Uh, <laughs> and she's got a couple of gadgets. Um, and there's a great opening scene that starts on her shoes and goes all the way up and celebrates the glamour of her. And then we go from that, that cliche, that sexist cliche, to this very powerful, uh, able independent woman in in 3000 words but you, you you have to wait until march to read it and then when you read it you can you can certainly reach out and let us know what you thought about it and of course yeah. blackjack uh night of the crimson cross will be in there as well all things going well yeah. and uh you'll get to see what 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 i he did with that piece 
and uh, give us some feedback on that as well. All right, because and you know, well, and if if they liked any ideas here, if they if they would like to see more, you know, we have a comment section down below. Yes, we do. Tell us what you think. You know, and and. and you know, and we'll respond because we do that. Any reaction there. Yes, we're we're good at responding. <laughs> okay, so uh, it is December. It is December fifteenth, and so I'm going to say yes. Happy Holiday to everybody, or as I like to say, Merry Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, because I try and cover as many of them as I can. That's fantastic. Yeah, but everybody really have and a have I, a, would, I would join that sentiment. Happy holidays <clears throat> to everyone. It's time, you know. Yeah. Yes, it's time to meet family and make merriment, but I also, at the end of the year, it's time to crawl up, curl up with a good book and have a little bit of downtime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's a few that we would suggest. Yeah. <laughs> on Alex's website and my website. Yeah, those, those, those are, yeah, yeah. They're, they're definitely there. And, and you can find them easily for purchase. You can find a few. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, yeah. One size fits all. <laughs> Makes a great gift. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Happy holidays, everybody. Take care, Chris. Bye-bye. Take care, brother. I'll talk to you soon.